You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. As I said, um, if you gave me, you know, <laughs> Peter 5.8, I have nothing to say. So I must safely run away, <laughs> you know, from it, uh, just to have something to say. But it's really been amazing and a blessing just to realize how deep the word is, you know that there are so many layers to it, you know, and I hope it actually encouraged us to continually go deeper in the Word and not be satisfied with just surface-level understanding, but to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So let's quickly pray, and then we'll get into the message for today. Yeah, Father, you are so awesome. You're an amazing God. You are a God who is with us. You're not just there in heaven watching us, but you are here in our midst. Where we gathered, you actually show up. So we know as we are gathered in your name, you show up, you are here. So we just ask you that you would speak to each and every heart. Oh God, we just ask your Father that this would be an environment of good hearts. Good hearts, oh Father, that are able to take the seed of the word and actually bring forth fruit 30-fold, 100-fold, oh God, just multiplying what is received. So we just pray, oh Father, and we thank Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to be in the book of Colossians. Um, so let's jump right in and let's scroll over to Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. In verse 6, it says, it says, and now, just as you accepted Christ, I'm reading in the NLT, by the way. The NLT is now, this day, is a bit of my default um, sort of version, you know, but I NKJV and ESV as I go along. But yeah, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You know, that's what he says. And then he continues in the next one. He says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Okay, so let's, let's, let's actually start now at verse 6 again, and let's actually just consider these two verses. You know, that Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Jesus, therefore, I'm continuing in him. But here, it seems that he's suggesting to us that these two are not actually one. So you can accept Jesus as your Lord and not continue. Like it's possible. You can accept and say, I accept you, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, but then you don't continue to follow him. So that's interesting. So you can also accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and follow him selectively. You follow him on Sunday, you follow him on Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when Connect is, right? You know, sometimes we're very spiritual on Sunday and on Wednesday and Thursday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, dololo. That's partial following, partial. So if we are doing that and we're actually saying, okay, you are my Savior, Lord, and we don't continue to follow him, it is the equivalent of actually using God and using Jesus as just an accessory. He looks good on Sunday, right? I mean, he looks good if we are able to quote on Sunday because then we are relevant amongst the saints. In fact, uh, you know, when we were growing up in our rural churches, they would monitor you and say, you know, you're not quoting anymore. What's happening with your spiritual life? You know, outside quota. You know, outside quota. What's going on? You know, so, so quoting was important. Uh, you know, you have to be quoting. 
you know. And also when we were growing up in, in Venda, I don't know if this is common everywhere else, you know, but my mother had the, uh, it's not the room divider, but it's the room divider equivalent, but it's in the dining room. I don't know what you call that thing. Okay, side, sideboard, okay. In there lay the treasures of the family, okay? Those treasures are only taken out for use, okay? When the pasta comes, right? <laughs> you know, when important VVIPs actually come to the home, there are different cutleries and crockeries that actually come out, right? And then that's what you get served on that day, you know? You know, he remains there in our closets, closed off, shut off. But when the special event comes in, the pastor calls, how are you? Jesus has been blessing me so much, you know? But when, when I call you, it's a different story. You know, it's carnal. Why? Because we are putting Jesus in that, you said what it's called? The sideboard. In the sideboard, okay? That's where Jesus is being put. And the thing is that when we do that, when then the occasion comes, the pastor comes, right? To your house. You have the privileged opportunity to be amongst those that get to eat from those plates. You're not comfortable. You're not comfortable. Because if you break it, it actually means death. Like, <laughs> you know, you will die a quick death. Uh, and if you are busy there cutting and it's making sound, you're getting an eye that you are damaging my plate, right? It was not actually easy to interact with those things. But you can imagine we dust up Jesus and we put him in the sideboard, okay? And he's there and then somebody comes and they're demon-possessed. How are we going to be able to deal with that? Somebody comes and they need prayer for healing. How are we going to deal with that? Because it's been in the sideboard. You know, there's the scripture in Proverbs where wisdom actually says, I'm going to call for you, I'm going to seek you, I'm going to hunt you and everything and everything, but you're going to reject, right? And because you reject, you're going to come into a situation where you say, wisdom, please, and I won't be there to be found. You know, sometimes we do that with Jesus, right? We do that with faith. We want faith to be found when we need it, but we don't actually put it into practice in the everyday. We make Jesus an accessory. So we accept him, but we don't continue in him. It is critical, saints, to actually continue in him. We don't buy him and pack him. No, we actually enjoy him. We enjoy him. We continue in him every single day. That's how life ought to actually be. That's how it has to be. And when we look at it in other versions, just the second part, um, you can just put verse 6, by the way. So in, second, in, the, in him, it says, So walk, regulate your lives and conduct in union with and in conformity to him. That's interesting, right? Like you must regulate, you know, your life and your conduct in accordance with this union that you actually have with him. In the CJB, it says, Keep living your life united with him. In the NKGV, walk in him. In the message, it says, live him, which is different and interesting. Good news says, live in union with him. Now, if we think about this, we can see kind of this common theme, right? It's about living united with him. We accept him, and then we live united with him. And of course, that imagery of living united with him brings a natural image of marriage, right? Imagine I get married, you know, uh, all those uh, years ago, and I say, you know, I do, I do, and then she goes to her place, I go to my place, on Sunday we meet, you know, on Wednesday we meet, but that's the marriage. Would that be marriage? You know, 
would, would, what would that actually be? It wouldn't be union. There would be a gap there. The level of intimacy that I can enjoy in that marriage and she can enjoy is almost non-existent. The ability to understand her likes and dislikes is non-existent because the union is actually not real. It's very temporal. It's convenient, right? Because it would be weird for you to show up on Sunday not wearing Jesus, right? It would be. But now if we think about this in the context of marriage, we can rephrase this verse and says, just as you accepted each other in marriage, on that day when you confessed your, vi- your vows, live it out. Yeah. Like live it out. Amen. So don't allow it to just be a moment with a certificate that you can hang on the wall, which has a date to say you were married on this day, but live it out. Live those vows, live that marriage out. That's how we actually do it. And as we spend more and more time with Jesus, the same thing that happens in marriage happens to us. I do this. So we become familiar with the likes and dislikes of Jesus Christ. So over time, we do more and more of the things he likes and less and less of the things he dislikes. It's the same in marriage. Any good marriage, you do less and less of the dislikes and more and more of the likes. That's how it is, right? I guess Paul did say, you know, that you have this uh, carnal burden when you are married, that you now have to please this person because you actually want to do more and more of the likes and the likes and likes. It's a burden that you carry. And it's like that with Jesus. And imagine, he's actually so vested in us that he didn't just leave us on the altar that is even interested in the quality of our sleep. It's interesting. Like he gives his beloved sweet sleep. Isn't that interesting? Like Jesus is so interested in us that he even cares how we sleep. It's, it's weird, right? Like not many people care, like, you know, like your sleep. Just it may be sweet tonight, you know? But Jesus cares so much about us that he's actually vested and interested in the quality of our sleep. So it's so worthwhile to actually continue in him. And we mustn't just, you know, you know sometimes uh, people buy these uh, big expensive cars when the season has not arrived and they can't afford uh, the petrol. You know the petrol these days is rough, right? <laughs> so, so they have the expensive, nice car, but they pack it, you know? So, uh, and then they, maybe they Uber, maybe they do all these other things, right? That's not living in that car, right? That's not enjoying that car, you know? But you have to enjoy it, you have to drive, you have to take it everywhere, right? Um, and you'll see even like, uh, you'll see sort of testimonies of what some of these cars can do where, you know, Irene's cars that can, you know, drive on rocks with one wheel, you know, all these funny things, right? But those are experiences that are available, but if you don't drive it, you can't enjoy it. You know, there are experiences that are available in Jesus that if we just park him, we can't enjoy it. What are we actually missing in experiencing with Jesus? You know, like any mutual friend, if you want to build depth with any friend in any relationship, what are my common interests with Jesus? Like, what do I and Jesus have in common? Isn't that interesting to ask? Like, what are the things that me and Jesus do together? Or is it just me doing my thing and saying, Jesus, come bless it, you know? Because if you don't bless it, you know, come bless it. And then occasionally we say, okay, I'll do your thing because they called for this evangelist thing, right? There's this evangelism thing, so I'll do your thing. But most of the time, we're saying, Jesus, come bless my thing. You know, I'm busy with my thing and my way. That's not living in union with him. And the interesting here, the word that he uses in the, I guess, in the NLT and in many other versions, it says, follow him. This word would be weird if he was stationary. 
right? Like it would be very, very weird if I said, guys, follow me, and then I just stop. It would be so weird. But the fact that he actually calls us to follow him means he's on the move. Like he's actually doing something. You know, there are colleagues that you work with that is doing something in their lives. Yes, that colleague that is having multiple adulteries, Jesus is doing something in their lives. He's moving, he's walking, he's at work. But there's something that you can contribute to that journey. Once you say, Jesus, hey, I want to do something in common with you. What does it look like today as I walk into my office? What does it look like today as I go on this hike, as I go on this jog? What does living in union with you actually look like? And you know, the, the, the longer you are, you are married, I, you know, I guess I've not been married for that long, so from testimony of the seniors, you know. Um, but the longer you are married, the more you actually carry the person you are married with everywhere you go. So there are things that I want to do, even if Malebu is absent, just because she's there. But she's not there. But I know it wouldn't be appropriate for me to have certain conversations with this lady. I wouldn't do it when she's not there, when she's there. So why would I do it when she is not there? You know, and it's like that with Jesus. There's a presence that he actually would do. And because it's there, we say, wow, I know you are in your multiple adulteries, but I want to sow the word here. I want to actually just plant something. I want to just plant something that this path you are going on is actually not good, right? I, I, I know right now your life looks great. You're driving the latest uh, this. You stay in the latest and the biggest this and so forth. But I just want to sow this. You know, I just want to water what has been started here. You know, and as we actually do that, the Holy Spirit is giving increase because he's already on the move. We are following somebody on the move. It's not somebody that is actually sitting stationary. And isn't the move in the lives of people? In the lives of people. And it's the people that we interact with. It's the people that we are related to. It's the people that we actually work with. It's our friends. He's in the move. And I know sometimes it's hard, right? We, we have some of those friends and some of that family that you're just like, I know, you know? Here, there can't be a move. It's too far, you know? <laughs> you know, it's really too far. But it's in the move even if someone is daily worshiping ancestors, he's in the move and he can reach them through you because he's on the move. He's not limited. When you read the rest of Colossians, you'll see that these principalities, this, all these things are under him. Nothing is above him. He's not threatened that, oh, you've accepted the calling. Okay, now, you know, you, you are too far, you know. This one needs the pastor to come talk to him, you know. No, Jesus is not intimidated. But it's us saying, Jesus, there's this person next to me and this is the situation. What do you want to do in their lives? Like, how do you want to use me? And it's that simple and active conversation with him. Next Saturday, uh, we mentioned the Jesus at the Door training. Please do attend um, on Saturday because that's going to equip you to actually actively partner with him. You can actively partner with him as a reaper. I know we all want to reap, you know. Um, reaping is nice, you know, when you share and then people just uh, get saved. It's so nice. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the sowing is uh, not as nice. Sometimes it can be tough. It's long and we want the reaping process. Uh, so it's so important to attend if you can. But let's go to verse 7. Okay, it says, Let your roots 
grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So in the NKJV, it would just say rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Uh, I like the NLT uh, as well. But effectively, the way that it's written in both is that this is a key to how to actually live in union with him. How do you live in union? You get rooted, you get built up, you get established. That's how you live in union, right? The reason I like the NLT is that it uses this word let. You know, let is such a special and an interesting word because there's a permission that you are giving. Let this happen, right? And, and it feels like a holy invitation to something glorious and joyous, right? The Lord invites us through the simple word of let. Like, let this actually happen. Let, let your life be rooted on him. You know, be built up on him. Be established. Just let it happen. And it's the same. Uh, remember, uh, I think we read um, in Hebrews not too, too long ago, where we, where we have to let, right? There's this weight. There's this sin. And we have to let them go. Like there's a letting. There's a process where we must accept his holy invitation to set aside these things that actually easily beset us. So it's so exciting just to realize that the Lord is not even forcing us into this. He's actually inviting us into a glorious relationship, into some something wonderful and phenomenal into a great union with him. And he just says, just let it actually happen. Now, let's then talk about the specific words, rooted and built up. Let's think about rooted. So everything I know about roots are from children's cartoons. So if you're a scientist like Kai, today you must just take it up with the editors of those cartoons, okay? This is from children's cartoons. That's all I know about roots. But the rooting obviously creates a picture of a tree, naturally. And when you think about the roots of a tree, what do they actually do? This is the system that actually absorbs the nutrients, the water, the oxygen from uh, you know, the soil and takes it up the tree and makes the leaves actually look. When you are watering water the roots, it would be very foolish to just water the leaves. You know, the leaves is just for aesthetics. And I think sometimes we can be like that where we want to, because we are so desperate for the fruit, we just want to spray the, the, the leaves, uh, you know, just keep spraying it. But that's not where the miracle is. It's actually in the roots. When we water the roots, that's actually growth. When what he's saying here is that be rooted and established in Christ. So when you are rooted in Christ, it means that you're saying, Jesus, my nutrients for life come from you. In the same way, when I eat my pup and vors, there's nutrients for my body, right? My body grows. I become, you know, uh, I, well, often you fall asleep afterwards, but besides the sleeping, you know, but, but there's these nutrients that come into you. you. You look better. You look healthier. All of that is actually happening, right? And if you actually don't eat that physical food, food uh, you will obviously, you know, lose weight, um, you know, a, 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 and it won't be a, a good story. Um, I had this word from uh, uh, Elder Edith one time, many years ago, she said, Kwashi, you know? I, I had no idea what that thing is. <laughs> You know, you, you will experience kwashi, you know, uh, if, if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't actually eat, you know, but, but imagine, you know, if your roots are not in Jesus, there's a spiritual kwashi that you can experience, you know, a spiritual kwashi. So, so it's so critical uh, to be nourished by him. And the roots, the other thing the roots actually do is that the thing that hold the tree into the ground, without the roots, the tree will just fl fly when the big wind comes. The tree is being held down by the roots. Sometimes you just think, oh, this is a big tree. It will never actually fall. And then when it falls, you're like, ah, is this all the roots it actually had? Because often there's like nothing there. Like it's so minimal. But the tree that keeps standing has deep roots. And sometimes on the outside, it's not actually as visible. It's not. 
So it's so important to actually work on saying, Jesus, every day, I want to be nourished by you. Nourish me, Jesus. Nourish my mind. You know, nourish my heart. Nourish my body. And it's going to take us putting in place, you know, certain disciplines. Uh, to, we actually don't know which tree has a deep root until the wind comes. We don't know. It's only after the tree falls that we're like, ah, it didn't actually have roots. So we might all look, you know, great, and we're wearing Jesus, so we all look great, right? And we quote, so we all look fantastic, we all say fantastic things, but it's until the storm actually comes. It's until the storm comes. And we know some people that didn't survive the storm of COVID, I'm not talking about physical death, but I'm talking about spiritually. You know, they said, you know what, I, I can't. If there's God, then why this? I'm taking a break. Because why? The roots were actually not deep. So we need to work daily as we eat our food daily. We must be feeding daily. You know, it's a daily bread. Then the other word he uses is built up. Built up is different um, because when you hear built up, then you think chidi, right? You, you think construction. You know, it's different. You know, it's now construction things. The roots, it's different, okay? But in now, when you think about built up, this is now construction. Um, it's building this rugged structure that will actually stand, uh, you know, the test of time and so forth. But I think it's Matthew 7:24 that kind of makes it easy. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Okay? This is interesting because these two houses would have been indistinguishable until the storm actually came. They actually looked the same. In fact, both of them were leaders in the church. Both of them were present every Sunday, right, receiving and hearing the word. Both of them heard the word. And they looked visually the same. I mean, we can think about we've received six weeks worth of deep revelation about this word. What have we done with it? If we have not actually done anything with it, might we be the second house? Might we actually be the second house? Because we've not put it into practice. Because the difference was that the one did it and the other one didn't. So what are we doing with the word that we actually hear? I know it's fun, you know, to say, amen, hallelujah, pastor, that was so deep, you know. Thank you so much. You changed my life. Everything about me has changed, you know. <laughs> you know. And then nothing actually happens. Because we are satisfied with just the hearing of the word. We are satisfied with just being tingled in the ears. And I know it's exciting, you know, when it's new, oh, you know, it like tingles. But tingles don't change lives. It doesn't change lives. Tingles are not the thing that are going to keep us standing when the storm actually comes. It's what we did with that word that made us tingle that is going to change our lives. So we need to put into practice the word that we actually hear. Otherwise, when the storm actually comes, we'll be very shocked. We'll be in trouble with where we actually are. And it's consequential, right? These are things that happen in hindsight. You know? It's things that happen later um, that the consequences actually reveal themselves. So it's so critical. Built up and rooted in Christ. 
And then if we go back again, he says in the, in the latter part of that verse, he says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So in the, so you can go back to Colossians, yeah. So in the, in the other versions, this says established in faith. But once again, I, I like the NLT as well, but they're both saying the same thing. The reason I like the NLT here is because of this word then. Uh, it seems I like the NLT for simple reasons. I liked it for let and now for then. I might be a very simple person, eh? Um, but the NLT here uses the word then, which then means it's saying that the faith, then you will grow in your faith, you will, then your faith will grow in built up, which actually makes sense because you are rooted and built up in the word, right? You hear it, you do it, and through that, there's faith that's actually created. And at the end of the day, we want to live a life of faith, right? The outcome of being rooted and built up, being nourished daily with Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to hear you. You know, as I read this scripture today, I want to hear you. Talk to me, Jesus. There's a faith that actually gets created when we hear beyond just the words. A faith gets generated. And that faith is consequential of the process of eating and feeding on Jesus. That's what it is. And you notice it says that your faith will grow in the truth you were taught. You know, sometimes we just want to grow the faith without actually being rooted and built up, without the nourishing, because there's a situation that requires faith, and we just think, focus, 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 focus. But if you think about it as being consequential, you can always think about it as the same way as the fruit. It's the fruit that will come as a consequence of watering and dealing with the roots appropriately. The tree will grow. If you plant the seed and you water, the tree is going to come. But if you just focus on the leaves, it's not that the tree, you know, in fact, it might accidentally keep growing because some of that moisture obviously goes down, right? But when the storm comes, that's when the truth is actually revealed. And the second thing here that he actually says is that then you will overflow with thankfulness. That's amazing. Like you will overflow with thankfulness. Maybe just being not thankful is a bit of a litmus test for where we are spiritually. Like just, you know, you're just complaining, you're never satisfied, but Jesus didn't do that, he didn't, you know, you always see what he didn't do. It's a consequence and a revelation of the state of your roots, of the state of what you're actually built on. If you're being nourished every day with Jesus, is it possible that you'll always see negativity, that you'll always see what he's not doing? If every day you're talking to him, if every day you're interacting with him, it's not possible. So this thankfulness is consequential of then being rooted and built up. And remember, this is, I guess this is, you know, uh, you know, this thing of thankfulness, I guess, you know, if you, are, if you are just touching, you know, the secular world in any form, mystery of thankfulness, it has become so understood in the world, you know, that the, that the wealthiest people, the billionaires, right, they're always talking about this thankfulness thing. They're always talking about the gratitude journal, right? Like psychologists now are talking about how if you write down the things that you're grateful for, then your mental state would actually be better you'll be much, much healthier mentally. So there's a mystery in thankfulness that they know that we seem to miss in some cases, right? But this is something that the Lord gives us for free as an outcome of being rooted and built up on Him, that there's a thankfulness that flow, and along with that, every blessing that's associated with thankfulness actually flows to us. Do you remember how the children of Israel, as they walked through the desert, how they were so thankful and all of them made it into the promised land? If you remember it, then you are reading the wrong Bible. <laughs> uh, if you remember it, eh? But it didn't happen. They were not thankful. They were not thankful. They were actually very unthankful, ungrateful. 
right through. You know, they were complainers. You know, we had meat in Egypt. You bring us here, it's vegetarian, everything, you know? <laughs> like, what's happening? Where's the meat? You know, we are used to meat. Instead of actually saying, Lord, I have a craving for meat. Like, hey, you know, what, what could you actually do? And maybe the Lord will actually honor that and meet it. And just think about it. If that becomes our attitude and we're also always overflowing with thankfulness, then we're not too focused on what is absent. We focused on the fact that it's present then the thing that we are craving that is absent, we can talk to him about it. It changes everything. And then when we talk to him about it, other will say, hey, it's coming. I'll say, but it's not for you. It will destroy you. But that's an attitude of being thankful. In fact, in, if we go back, if we flick uh, up a bit to verse 24 of the first chapter of Colossians, Paul says something that shows um, that perhaps he had been drunk when he says this. Because he says, I am glad when I suffer, right? The rest of it, um, you know, is fine. I don't want to focus on glad. I'm happy I'm suffering, guys. Hey, you know, hey, I just want to come here and celebrate my suffering this week. It's been an awesome week of suffering. Monday was rough. Tuesday was rough. Wednesday was rough. Can you just praise God with me for my suffering? You would think this guy has gone mad, right? This guy has gone mad. But you see, Paul was not speaking from the context of his situation. He was speaking from the context of what is actually rooted and built up on. There was a nourishing that was taking place when he was in that prison, when he was in that suffering, and he was able to say, I'm glad I'm suffering. I'm glad I am suffering. Not because the situation, I'm ignorant of it, I'm pretending it doesn't exist, I'm thinking positive and all of those stuff. No, because I am conscious of something more. I am conscious that he is present with me even in my suffering. You know, James says the same thing. He says, count it a great joy. What a great joy. Congratulations, you're suffering. <laughs> you know, that's what it says. Count it a great joy. Imagine we might even, if we truly believe some of those things, we might even have praise, worship services just focused on suffering. We want people to come and testify about their sufferings and their joy in the suffering. How crazy would that be? Why? Because the nourishing from Jesus changes the circumstance. And when we are nourished by Jesus, our expectation is different, right? Our expectation is not the suffering will end us. Right? When we then focus on just the suffering, it's because our expectation is that the suffering will end us. I'm finished here. It's game over. But when we see Jesus, we say, wow, he's here with me. He's here. He's not left. He's not left. You know, he's not left. You know? You know, and when you read then the end of Peter, First Peter, I, 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 I now call Peter kind of the Emmanuel for Christian suffering. I think it's a good book to read. You should read it. You know, at the end of Peter, he, said to, he actually says to them that, hey, by the way, the suffering that you're going through, it's part of the grace of God for your life. <laughs> it's part of the grace of God. We always think about the grace of God as the easy part, right? I'm experiencing the grace of God often means I'm experiencing ease. But he says, no, the suffering you are going through is part of the grace of God for your life. But he was to actually withstand it and continue. You know, almost every major, you know, author in the scriptures has this radical thought about suffering. Uh, and that thought flows from the roots. It flows from what they're actually built up on. Wow, the time actually goes by fast, eh? It really flies. Hmm? It does. Okay, so let's read, let's go back to verse 6 and 7, but let's read it in the message, and then we're going to close quickly this part, and we'll start concluding. So just in the message, it says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus the Master, now live Him. 
You are deeply rooted in him. You are well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thankfulness. That's a nice summary, eh? That's a nice, nice summary of what we've actually just been saying. And it just simplifies it and captures it so well for us. But I like this ending. Let your living spill over into thankfulness. We must be a people that overflow with thankfulness. That's what we ought to be living. But let's quickly then read down as we actually conclude. In verse 8 in the NLT, it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from, rather than from Christ, okay? But it's interesting here that we tend to think, wow, you know, Christians are so nice and soft, but here they're like high-sounding nonsense, right? Uh, it says, for, in verse 9, it says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body, so you also are complete. In another version, it said you are full through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So he's the head over every ruler and authority. There is no ruler and authority that is above Jesus. But this is interesting. He says because we are united with him, we are actually complete. That's interesting. He didn't say because you know be complete. One day when you make your 10th million, you know, uh, you know, you will be complete. One day when this happened and that happened, you'll actually be complete. He says, no, you are complete through your union with Christ. Like you're actually a complete person. Like I'm full, I'm complete. Not because I am married or I have children. No, I am complete and finished and full because of my relationship with Jesus. So you see that nourishing actually does something here because so often when we are not nourished by Jesus, we tend to believe I'm not complete until, right? But that's not what the Bible says. It says we are complete because of our union with the complete one. You know, he's complete, he's lacking nothing. So when we unite with him and we become one, it's not that we unite and then, you know, like the, I forgot what that thing is called, the room divider in the dining room, you know, like that thing, you know. Um, yeah. And then it says in verse 11, it says, when you, come, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by physical procedure, uh, by physical procedure, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. There's exciting stuff here, but I won't be tempted. In verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it on the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual powers and rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them. That's amazing. He shamed them like it's done, like that lion. So it's like, it's like a roaring lion, you know? It's not a rolling light. It's like, right? There's actually no teeth there um, because there is this disarming. But it's scary nonetheless when we're actually not being fed with the right things, when we are drunk with the wrong things, you know? There are people that are so afraid of Satan that it's quite shocking, and they are believers in the gospel. This is the gospel message. And it's so amazing because it says that we were dead, right? We were actually dead. It was game over than God. And that's the mystery of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is a then God message. It's not I was dead and then I started going to church. 
It's not I was dead and then I read some scriptures. It's that I was dead, then God. God actually made me alive with him. God actually changed my destination. God actually changed my entire life. It's a then God message. And it's so critical that we have that family established in our minds when we think about the gospel. Because then when we realize it's a then God moment, it means that there is no one that is doing anything that makes them unredeemable. There is no one that is ever too far from the Lord. You know, there was a clip that was shared recently with one of the founders of the Satanist movement uh, saying that he's now come to Christ in South Africa, the founder. You know, he said he's come to Christ. You know, you would have looked at that guy, you know, with the tattoos of the snake and all of that and said, hey, you know, too far, you know. Uh, Jesus, doesn't, Jesus is not talking here. He's not moving. And you would have moved on. But the Lord said no, because it's a then God moment. Then God looked at that dead man and actually said, I can make him alive and I will make him alive. But he used people uh, to actually do so. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Christ Jesus. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the free gift of salvation to all who repent and believe in him. That's amazing. You know, so everything that we are saying here actually starts with an acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord. You can't continue to follow him unless you actually accepted him. You know, a first and set might have many attributes that make it look like a marriage, but it's not because there's no covenant moment. It's just a temporal structure to satisfy joint, you know, uh, ambitions or whatever the case is. But without that covenant moment, that continuation is false. So that continuation is false. So it's very critical that everyone dead against him, but then God canceled the record of wrong against my life. You know, I was dead. I was in the kingdom of darkness, but then God, you know, saved me and brought me into the kingdom of the son he actually loves. It's so critical, saints, that we have a then God moment before we even think about following him and walking with him because it's literally impossible. So I just want to pray with the first group of people. So if you are here and you have never had a then God moment, you have never come to that point where there's a covenant relationship with Jesus. Maybe you guys have been dating with Jesus. You know, it looks like Sunday and Wednesdays, but there's never been a covenant moment where you say, then God, you know, then God. You need your then God moment in order to continue to walk in him, to follow him and to benefit from every word that has been preached, not just today, but right through the different Sundays, you know, to benefit from that first piece 5.8 that we've been hearing from and how to actually conquer and win in that particular contest. It starts with a then God moment. So if you are here in the service or you are watching us online, I want to take this moment to pray with you to have your then God moment, to start your life in covenant with him, to not live apart from him, to not fight and set him, to not just date him and never actually commit, but to make a commitment and forsake all others. And it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter how far you think you are, it doesn't matter what has been done, what hasn't been done. What matters is that he's always present with his hand stretched out saying, here's your then God moment. You are dead, but then God. So if there's anybody like that, just raise your hand. Um, and if you're online, I'm sure the details will be shared moving through the screen just to show you where you can contact us and get in touch with us. So if you are here, just raise your hands and I will pray with you to have your then God moment. I don't see any hands. That's awesome. So if you are online um, and it's your then God moment, I want to quickly pray with you and then we'll pray uh, another prayer. Yeah, Father, just thank you. Um, 
for everyone that I am dead in my sins and headed to hell. But there's a then God moment where he actually reaches out his hand through Jesus Christ, saves us and changes and rewrites our story. He makes us children of the light from being in darkness. He renews us, he restores us, he redeems us, he buys us back. Ah, Lord, what a privileged opportunity to be called sons. So if you are there online, listening, watching, you know, just pray and ask the Lord, say, Lord, I repent, I'm giving up. I'm giving up trying to save myself. I'm giving up trying to redeem myself. I'm giving up assuming that it's the number of times I go to church that saves me, assuming that it's these deeds that I do, but I'm comfortably surrendering to the reality that it's a then-God moment. It's a then-God who comes to my deadness and gives me life. It's a then-God moment who comes and actually cancels the record of my wrongs and gives me a new story. So just pray like that and get in touch with us and we'll be able to, walk, to help you to walk appropriately with the Lord. For us uh, here who are actually saved, if you don't mind standing, let's just pray. You know, I don't know what the Lord has said to you. I don't know what area he emphasized. I don't know where your moment of revelation perhaps was. But let's pray and ask God that we'll be a people that continue. That we'll be a people that actively follow him. That wouldn't be a people that just keep saying he's my Lord and Savior, but he's the one that I'm following every day. That there will be a different testimony that comes from our lives and everywhere that we are found as a consequence of us making a commitment to not just accept, but to follow. So let's pray like that and ask him to say, Lord, I want to fully follow, holding nothing back. And let's ask him that we would see the fruit of growing and strong faith, the fruit of thankfulness, Tackle those areas where there is bitterness, where there isn't thankfulness, where there is ungratefulness, because that is the drinking from, which is not from the Lord. Oh, Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus and we surrender our lives to your God. We surrender everything about us. We surrender our bodies, our minds. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our finances. We surrender our families. We surrender everything about us to you. We say every single part of us, every single inch of us, in the name of Jesus, oh God, we give it to you and say we want to live it in following you, oh God. We want to live it in surrender to you. We want to live it as representatives of you in the name of Jesus. Maybe, maybe how we treat our bodies bodies, oh Father, be reflective that indeed we're a people that are following you. Maybe how we actually speak to others, be reflective of the fact, oh Father, that we are following you, that how we actually uh, engage our communities, how we actually engage the lost, oh Father, is representative and it shows that we are actually following you, oh God. So Father, every area, oh Father, where we are not following you, areas that we have held back and said, no Lord, this is my room, this is my thing, this is my space, oh Father, we surrender it, oh God, we repent Oh, Father, of any attitude of still holding on, oh God, of still holding on, but we come to you and say, Lord, we are withholding nothing. We are withholding nothing. We are surrendering everything to you in the name of Jesus, oh God. We want to live out, oh Father, that vow, that covenant that we have entered with you, every single inch of it. We want to live it out in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. We want to live it out in our hearts. We want to live it out in our minds in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to see it fully expressed 
in our workplaces, in our areas of ministry, in that workplace. We want to see it fully expressed, oh Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh Father. We are, Lord, we are not going to be satisfied, oh Father just being a people who hear and hear the word of God, but we want to be a people that put in practice everything that we hear. We want to wrestle until we see the word being made manifest in our lives, oh God. We want to see it be made manifest. We want to see it become flesh, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. Oh, you are so able to see in our lives, oh Father, that there is a change, there is a growth, there is a progress, that we are able to say we are going from faith to faith because we are a people that are fed by you. We are people who receive their nutrients, their sustenance from you, a people who say Jesus is my daily bread, a people who truly mean that, a people who truly live it out, a people of revelation, a people of wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus who refuse, oh Father, to just be ordinary, to just be nominal, to just be counted, to say on Sunday I was there, but we refuse, oh Father, we choose to be a people that say I was there on Sunday and I took it and I put it into practice and I am seeing this word bearing fruit in my community, in my family, in my workplace, in the name of Jesus. That will be our testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Barrenness, when it comes to the word, is not our portion, oh Father. We will be a people that are fruitful in bringing forth the 34, the 64, the 100 fold in the name of Jesus. We are a people of a good ground heart, oh God. A good ground heart is us, oh God. And the word, oh Father, that you plant in us, it brings forth fruit in the name of Jesus. We are a people who stand in agreement with the word and say every Thing that you speak, what you have purposed that word to actually do, it will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. It will be achieved in the name of Jesus, oh God. We pray, oh Father, that every thorn, every rock, everything that is in our heart, oh Father, that prevents us, oh Father, from being fruitful, let your consuming fire come and burn. Come and burn in the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be a burning, oh Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, of everything that prevents and limits us from living out everything that you call us to in the name of Jesus. You tell us that there are works, there are good works that you have prepared for us. We're going to live out and walk out those works in the name of Jesus, oh God. We won't be a people that at the end, oh Father, say, I could have, I could have, I could have is not our testimony. It's I did it. That is our testimony. I did it is my testimony in the name of Jesus. I refuse to be in the I could have pocket, oh God, to be in the I could have category of people in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray and we say, Lord, every attitude, Lord, every inclination to not be grateful, let it die. Uh, we hold the memorial service for it and we say it's dead in the name of Jesus. It's dead. Oh, we're a grateful people. We are marked with gratitude. We overflow with thankfulness. Wow, Lord, that's us. That's us. We overflow with thankfulness, oh God, that things that you want to do in our lives are not delayed because of our lack of gratitude, oh God. Oh, let complaining be uncommon amongst us, oh God. But let it be praise and celebration and gratitude that continually flows in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, wow, Lord. Mm. You are so wonderful, oh Jesus. We love you. We lift you on high. You are worthy. You are worthwhile. And what a privileged opportunity to fellowship with you this morning. Oh, it was an experience with you. You showed up. You touched us. You changed our lives, oh God. And we are going to see fruit in the name of Jesus. Ah, what a wonderful God you are. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.
This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.